We're for sharing innovative treatments and preventing disease before it ever develops. Learn how our team is working to better care for you on this edition of UVA Health System Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Over the past decade, minimally invasive cardiothoracic surgery has grown in popularity and is in large part due to the benefits for patients such as decreased pain and reduced surgical trauma. My guest today is Dr. Gaurav Alawadi. He's a board-certified cardiothoracic surgeon whose specialties include minimally invasive heart surgery and treatments for heart valve disease with UVA Health System. Welcome to the show, Dr. Alawadi. What are some of the newest breakthroughs? What's going on in the world of minimally invasive heart surgery right now? Melanie, first, thanks for having me on on the uh, radio. I think this is a, an exciting time uh, for cardiac surgery. Uh, things are really changing and have changed pretty dramatically in the last three to four years, with so much more new innovation coming down the pike that we just we haven't seen before, and especially since probably the '60s or '70s. So uh, much of the types of surgery that we have performed for the last 50 years. Um, are, are stead and true fast, things like valve replacement surgery, valve repair surgery, or bypass surgery to try to improve blood flow to the heart. Those are really tried and true techniques that work. But patients have long been asking for less invasive options to help them get back to recovery. And that really is a benefit both for young patients who need to get back to work, um, provide for their families, uh, as well as for elderly patients who are worried about what is the biologic toll that a big open-heart operation is going to take on their life and recovery and pain. And so there's, it's really uh, approaches to minimally invasive span all types of patients. So um, where we started with this is we learned to perform similar types of operations that we do through an open chest, through the, through the breastbone, through less uh, invasive approaches, typically through the side uh, or through partial incisions to try to mimic the same operation or do the same operation. Now, if a patient needs a lot of things done to their heart. If they need more than one valve, they need multiple valves, they need bypasses plus valves, then it, it doesn't, uh, it's not really feasible often to do that purely through a minimally invasive approach. But if it is an isolated thing, a valve, a single vessel bypass, uh, then it, then most of those patients often can be evaluated and often can get a minimal invasive approach where we're doing the same operation through a smaller incision. What that means for the patient is uh, typically the pain can be a little bit less, but the recovery is dramatically less with often no broken bones. Uh, and they get back to driving sooner, they get back to, to their normal life, they get back to work sooner. Uh, and if they're elderly, they, can, they oftentimes don't even need to go to rehab or they can go to rehab, get out of rehab sooner as well. Now, where we're headed uh, is uh, in, really in the last three to five years, uh, we have been involved in a number of new trials, new valves where we can replace the valve with no incision, where we can go through the groin. Uh, this is particularly true with the aortic valve. Uh, each of us have four valves in our heart. The most common valve that's affected is the aortic valve. With the wear and tear, that valve becomes tight and narrow. It's not related to our diet or smoking. It's, it's just wear and tear on the on the heart valve, similar to our knees and our back. Uh, it gets bad. And so what we can do is go through the groin, 
with a wire up to the heart using x-ray, and a new valve is collapsed on a stent, and we blow up a balloon, which pushes the old valve out of the way, and then we go ahead and blow up the new valve on a stent. The stent stays in place, uh, and the new valve starts working immediately. Now, that valve, those valves have been uh, approved for very high-risk patients, uh, who cannot get open-heart surgery, and we've been performing trials in low-risk patients, and we have a very new trial coming out uh, in the near future where we'll be uh, looking at any patient, regardless of how young or old they are, could potentially get uh, this type of approach. The benefit for that is they often leave the hospital in two or three days uh, with no incision and get back back to the routine far quicker uh, than than with any open heart or even minimally invasive surgical approach. So this same type of technology uh, is, tra- is now expanding beyond just the aortic valve. We have ways to repair the mitral valve. The mitral valve is the valve between uh, the lungs and the heart. So when the heart squeezes, this valve is supposed to close to keep the lungs, keep the blood from going back to the lungs when the this valve often can leak in certain types of patients, and when it leaks, the blood goes back to the lungs and the, the patients feel short of breath. And so we have ways not only to fix it with open surgery, a common way is with minimally invasive surgery where we go through the side and we can repair and replace the valve. And a third option uh, now is also to go through the groin and put a small clip called the mitral clip that can clip the parts of the valve that are leaking. Now, that's... It's it's a good approach for the right type of patient, and the beauty of it is that it is very minimally invasive, uh, and the patients often go home the next day or two days after. And that is also approved for high-risk patients who have the right type of leaking valve anatomy that they can get that. Now, there are many new devices that are coming out, uh, many of which that we're a part of at UVA, uh, devices that can replace the mitral valve. We can put rings on the valve to cinch it up. Um, We can put new cords so the mitral valve actually is like two parachutes side by side with little strings or cords we call them and those cords in some patients can become torn or elongated. There are new devices coming out where we can um, place a new cord through a small incision on the chest without the heart lung machine using ultrasound to guide us. So there's lots of new things, and this is a really exciting time in our in our field. Wow, that is absolutely fascinating, and how well-spoken you are, Dr. Alawadi. It's such an interesting innovations that are going on today. Are there certain people who would not be candidates for minimally invasive type surgeries, and then in which case, for them, they have to have what? The full open heart? Yeah, so I think there's uh, multiple things that we're looking at when when we're evaluating patients for any of these devices, and I think or approaches, and and I think one of the biggest benefits is that we do um, see patients as a team, and so oftentimes um, we'll have multiple different specialties, not just a heart surgeon, but also a, a cardiologist that specializes in valve disease. Oftentimes we'll have a specialist. Uh, cardiologist who focuses just on the imaging, see the patient together, and decide together what's best for each individual patient. So it's really a team approach, kind of like you hear for, for, 
for cancers. There's a tumor board. Well, we literally have a valve board every every week. We meet and talk about all patients getting considering any of these options. So, um, for the aortic valve, I think we ought to split it up into the aortic and mitral valve. For the aortic valve, um, we traditionally had only been able to offer this for patients that are higher risk with new trials that we're going to be a part of, we're going to be able to offer this for lower-risk patients through a clinical trial. Uh, essentially, some of the anatomy is important, meaning the size of the valve, the size of the arteries in the groin. We need a, a road to the heart, and we have multiple different ways to get there. The groin artery is going to be the easiest for patients to recover, but we have other approaches where we can go in between the ribs and go into the heart directly if the groin arteries are too small. So we're looking at a lot of things in terms of the anatomy as well as a lot of things in terms of the patient if it's a suitable candidate. And there's subtle things like how much calcium and things like that that may weigh our decision one way or the other. For the uh, mitral valve, it actually it's a bit more complex because the valve can leak in multiple different ways. For the aortic valve, it's pretty straightforward. It gets tight, we replace it, whether we do it with surgery we have multiple different ways to do it with surgery. We have valves that don't need stitches, and we also have the valve through the groin um, called a TAVR. Uh, for the mitral valve, it's a bit more complex because the valve can leave, leak in different ways, and depending on how it's leaking will dictate how we want to fix it, whether we want to repair it, whether we want to replace it, how we would want to repair it. And so those things uh, all weigh into the decision as to what that patient can get, ranging from traditional open-heart surgery to minimally invasive surgery to the percutaneous through the groin mitroclip or the new devices that are coming down the pike. Certainly, if their anatomy is suitable for uh, a mitroclip, for example, and they meet the, the patient criteria, meaning they're typically high risk and not good candidates for surgery, um, we can oftentimes offer that. And that's also true with all the new technologies. In terms of minimally invasive, pretty much any patient that has uh, just the valve problem, we really consider strongly for a minimally invasive approach. And there are just a few things that that may us make the decision, may weigh on us and t change our decision that we need to do it in a traditional approach. That's if they have a very weak heart or a lot of calcium around their heart or calcium around their arteries in the groin. Those are the types of things, or if they have more than just the valve, if they have multiple valves or they have um, needing a bypass plus a valve, those things traditionally can't be done through a minimally invasive approach alone. Now, sometimes we do combo combinations, hybrid approaches, where, where we may have uh, our cardiologist stent some of the blocked arteries and then we would fix the valve or vice versa. And that's where that team approach is really important to figuring out what's best for each patient. So, Dr. Alawadi, in just the last few minutes, and even if we're talking about the transcatheter aortic valve replacement, are these the outcomes for these? Do they have to be replaced? Does minimally invasive surgery affect the outcome as far as how long they last or any of those kinds of benefits? Well, I think it's easy to compare. We need to probably compare two things. So if we compare open heart to minimally invasive and then open heart to the percutaneous approaches. So we talk about open heart to minimally invasive. Um, certainly 
the goal should be we provide as good a correction of the problem, whether it's replacement or repair, than through an open approach. It's just that it's done through a smaller incision so that, and uh, potentially without breaking bones or break, breaking less of the bone to help with recovery. And so really the goal should be the exact same type of operation. And sometimes, honestly, the, the procedure is better for the patient through minimally invasive because I think we do sometimes do a better job with repairing the valve in that approach. When we compare uh, surgery to percutaneous approaches, I do think right now the bar changes, meaning patients and physicians will accept less effective therapy, meaning we don't get as good a result with a valve repair with a mitral clip as we do with surgery. However, for the type of patient we're talking about, if they're just not a good candidate for surgery or have other things going on, that might, that's probably okay, and we don't want to put them through a, a bit, an operation that needs a lot of recovery if they're very frail. And so, so the bar does change depending on um, the approach, but but I think the team approach really will help guide the patient and ultimately the patient's decision as to what they think is best for them. Thank you so much. It's absolutely wonderful and fascinating information, doctor. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to UVA Health Systems Radio, and for more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.